0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. i we'll to share with you a few verses. And um, I'm going to do it a little different this morning because I'm going to actually preach from the whole chapter. Um, so for the next three hours and 40 minutes, I need your attention. <laughs> three people just left the church. Um, let 's just let 's read a few verses from the start John chapter six, and let 's go from verse two. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs or they saw what he was doing. He performed on those who were diseased, they saw what Jesus had been doing, and they were intrigued, so they followed him to where he was. In verse five, then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii or denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. This, um, this story, or really not just this story, but this chapter, if you follow this story through the rest of this story, we know this is the feeding um, where Jesus comes and supernaturally feeds the 5,000. And then following that, he gets in a boat and he goes out. He doesn't get in a boat, I'm sorry. His disciples get in the boat. Jesus doesn't need a boat because he walks on water. So he walks on water, meets them in the boat. The crowd follow Jesus, or from that moment, they follow the movements of Jesus. They worked out. The story says later on in the chapter, you can read it later, that after the feeding of the 5,000, they were so impressed with that. And they liked it because it fed their stomach. Come on, anyone that can take in and out and multiply it, you're going to walk with them. And so he multiplied it. So they were so further intrigued by what he had done. That they followed his action, they followed his movements because they wanted to, they wanted to sort of get where he was, because if we can get where he is, then we can experience what he does and we can be a part of what he's doing. And so they follow him and they worked out, okay, he's he just did this miracle, and that was cool. We got fed and he got in a boat and they followed him in a boat and and they followed to where he was and, and the crowd gathered to where. Jesus Jesus was in the boat. But what I love about Jesus is while their actions spoke of a hunger after Him, their hearts were in a different place. Jesus watches their actions. See, we would look at this and say, these people are hungry for God. No, 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 these people are hungry for the works of God. Don't you love that God has this ability to look past what we do in the natural and our actions and see the motives of our heart? He sees the motives of their heart. He watched them follow Him to the desert where He fed them. Then He watched them follow Him on the water. Now He has them gathered. This is a great opportunity if you want to continue to build the momentum of this crowd or this little gathering that Jesus has. This is a great opportunity for Jesus to preach an amazing, life-changing sermon that will multiply his church. What does Jesus do in this moment? Jesus, this is the moment where Jesus decides, you know what? We've got a crowd gathered here. Let me say something to them. My sermon's is going to be like this. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. There we go. Someone tweet that. And what Jesus does is he splits the crowd, so radically offends them because he's not dealing with their actions. He's trying to deal with their heart. He's trying to separate the men from the boys, so to speak, in this moment. He's trying to separate those that are religious people that just want to see the works of God and those that are hungry to have the walk of God. He's He says, let me preach something to you that's going to offend you so much that those that are not personally collect connected to me, they're going to bounce. But I'm going to be left with the true Christians, the true ones that have the heart after me. That's what Jesus does in this moment. I want to speak to you real, real, for a few minutes. I was going to say real quick, but it probably won't be that quick. I want to preach to you a few minutes on this topic, the blessed place to be. The blessed, I don't have a speech impediment, the blessed place to be. When I was younger, I actually did have a speech impediment. When I was younger, people actually couldn't understand what I was saying. Some of you are like, I still can't shut up. When I was younger, listen to this for creative, a creative speech impediment. I used to replace the letter S with the letter L. Try and figure that one out. I had to actually go to speech therapists that were trying to work out why I was doing this, where I would replace the letter S, try and put a sentence together, it's actually quite hard to do. I just did it naturally. I was with my parents not long ago in, in Australia. Chris and I were with them. We were having dinner and, and I, this came up in conversation. And we were talking about it. Mum said, yeah, you had a really bad speech impediment. My dad said, you used, to, you used to say the letter L instead of the letter S. My dad looked at me and said, do you ever still do it? I looked at him and I said, "Lum times." Some of you will get that later. But I want to talk to you about not not the best place to be but the blessed place to be because this crowd were focused on where they thought the best place to be was but Jesus was focused on where the blessed place to be sometimes the best place to be is not the blessed Place to be, and sometimes stay with me. The blessed place to be is not necessarily the best place to be. The best place to be in the natural would not be in a fiery furnace, but for three Hebrew boys in that moment, it was the blessed. Place to be in their life. For Daniel, the the best place to be was not in amongst lions who were starting to get hungry and started to look at him like he was a Chick fil A nugget. It was not looking like it was the best place to be, but in the kingdom of God, he was in the blessed place he could possibly be for God to set him up to position him. I want to tell you, you need to be in not the best place, but the blessed place place This this crowd this crowd were thinking on a different level whenever Jesus was talking with people communicating with people he was always trying to take them to a deeper place in their walk with him and he would perform miracles not just to provide natural uh, or to give them the natural means that they required, but the miracle was just a taste that He was trying to give them to take them to this place of understanding the Saviour that was behind the miracle. This is what is happening in this story. They're intrigued and the Bible says that Jesus... Lifted up his eyes. This is at the start when he's coming to do this miracle. A great multitude. And he says the multitude is there. And Jesus, who knows everything, he says to Philip, he asks Philip this question. Where shall we buy bread That these may eat. This is Jesus essentially saying to Philip, hey, what do you think? What do we think we should do here? Jesus is not in a quandary. He's not in a problem here trying to work out, hey, Phil, I need your help, bro. What what the heck are we going to do? Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do. He's inviting Philip to be a part of the miracle. The Bible says it was just... It was just, he was doing it just to test him, to test him, to say, Philip, will you come a little bit closer? I know this looks like a problem, but I'm inviting you to move from the best place in the natural to the blessed place in the kingdom and understand that while it may look like a problem, it's just a test. This is not a problem for me. Jesus is the Creator. He is God in flesh. He's all man, but He's all God. He never once faced a problem. He only ever faced tests. He only ever faced opportunities. We see them As problems, He sees them as opportunities. We see them as issues. We see them as difficulties, as obstacles. He sees them as a recipe to work a miracle in our life. If we would recognise that when we're standing in the middle of an obstacle, we are in the blessed place we could possibly be. That Jesus says to Philip, listen, Phil, come here, man, listen. What should we do? I love that Jesus is that type of God. He doesn't need Philip. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our worship. He desires it. Because he says, I don't need it because if you don't praise me, I'll just get a rock to cry out and praise me. Don't get caught up thinking that you're some part of this equation that I need. I don't need a single thing I create of you. I'm not the one that needs you. You're the one that needs me. But he still opens the door. He still says, Philip, come in here, man. What do you want to do here? I love how relational Jesus is. And as you follow the story, you look and you see Philip, he, he just doesn't get it. Philip answers him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Philip is, is operating on, on, on a different level and Jesus is trying to pull Philip up to see, Philip is thinking in the natural and Jesus is trying to switch his thinking to get him moving, get his mind into a different mindset. See, the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we use that verse often and it does apply to these cases. We use that verse often when it comes to people that are bound in their mind, whether it be some sort of addiction or some sort of major depression as a verse to give them hope that God will set them free and renew their mind. And that is true. That's one part of it. But there is another level of it. Where Jesus is saying this verse, the work I want to do in your mind is not just a reactionary work because of how the enemy has attacked your mind. It's actually a work that I want to do to shift your thinking from an earthly mindset or a worldly mindset and shift you to a heavenly mindset. I'm trying to shift you from worrying about being in the best place in the natural and get your heart and understanding to an understanding that I don't need to be in the best place because the best place is not always best for me. I need to be in the blessed place. Place Because the blessed place means that God put me here. God ordered my steps here. Even though it may not look right in the natural, I know it's the blessed place that I can be. There's a, there's a shifting because that verse in Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2, we quote it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be Transformed that what what that word means, we talk about it, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We we talk about that in terms of not giving into um the demonic that is perhaps around us, not giving in to the sin that is around us. If you look at that interpretation of that word world, there do you know what it means it just simply means world. I know it's deep, change your life. It's, it's not, it, it's not, the interpretation is not necessarily something that is some major demonic sinful attack that's going on around you. It just simply means where you are. It helps us see how we view that verse that God doesn't just want to transform my mind to get me out of the sin or the addiction that I'm in. He wants to transform my mind from just good things that might be happening around me to better things that God has for me in the kingdom of God. I'm about to be transformed as my mind is renewed from the best place to the blessed place. There's a, there's a shift that he's trying to do. And so he says to, he says to Philip, and he speaks to Philip and tells the disciples, "This is, this is what I'm going to do." And we know the story that Jesus, Jesus go, he goes and multiplies the the loaves and multiplies the fish, and people are impressed. People, people like it. People, I mean, who wouldn't? You're multiplying In and Out Burgers. You're going to get some fans, like. People are going to roll with you a little bit. This, he, he's, he's, he's multiplying it's a, it's a great miracle and these people, this crowd, this crowd they like it so they, so they're attracted to what Jesus is doing. they're thinking where's the best where's the best place that, 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 that we can be to get to get the greatest miracle out of Him that we can get. Where's the best, what's the best conference I can go to so that I can get the best touch of God? It's not bad, listen, it's not bad. I love conferences, I love church, but I'm trying to show you that that it can be a strategy of the enemy sometimes to get us off track and cause us to settle for best rather than blessed. What's the best What's the best preacher that's going to be coming to town this week? I'm going to be there front and centre. What's the best, Pastor? Listen, can I get the best seat in the house today? Because I need a touch. i I've got some things in my life that I need God to do. I need to get the best seat I can possibly get. But you know what? Let's get there early. Let's get there early. We'll take some bags and take some scarves and we'll lay it out across the road because we, we want the best possible seat to get my miracle. This is where this crowd is at. They're ready. They just had some food and they're ready to roll. And so they watch where Jesus goes. They watch him. They see the disciples get in a boat and they notice that Jesus doesn't get in the boat, and the Bible says that they follow Jesus, and they and they follow where that boat goes, and then they they notice that Jesus, he didn't get in the boat, but he showed up in the boat. So they worked out that something happened. They worked so they're tracking him to try and work out the best place to be to get another miracle. Do it again, Jesus. That in and out, that was but That was awesome. Do it again, Jesus. Let's get some lows. Let's get some fit. Do it again. Come on, I want to get a photo of this. I, I want the best possible photo. This, this is awesome. Can you do that again? This is where this crowd is at. And so Jesus, what I love about Jesus, Jesus is, He's so different to us. He's not He's not enamoured by a crowd. He doesn't care. Jesus, one of the things, and go with me for a moment, I know that He's God, so He wouldn't care. But I just love looking at the humanity, if you like, of Jesus. And I just love watching how much He just does not care what people think or how many people gather around Him. He doesn't care. So much so that when this crowd gathers... So focused on the best place to be, to get the best touch of God. Jesus, in this moment, takes it upon Himself to speak to not their actions, but to speak to their heart. And Jesus says, okay, I mean, this, I mean, He's a beast. Listen, He says, okay, gather around. You ready? Get your Bibles out. I'm going to preach something to you. Are you ready? He says this to them. Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Half our church we would listen, that's a great sermon to split a church in half and offend half the people. Jesus, we can we can pretty it up all we want. But Jesus just got up and said to them, you're not following me for the right motive. You're just following me because I fed your stomach. Jesus says to this crowd, I love this. He says to this crowd, you know what? Your motives are off. You don't want me for me. You want me for what I can do for you. Look at how you want. He just called them gold diggers. That's what Jesus is doing. We can try and preach it nice, but some sermons, you just got to read them for how they are. That's what Jesus said To them, He said to them, let's readjust. Let's pull back all of this pretty nice. I'm here to seek you. I'm here to follow you up the hill and I'll follow you out on the water. And let's get right down to the grassroots of really what you're here for. This is what Jesus is saying. And say, you don't want me. You want what I can do for you. This, I mean, this this upset a lot of Christians. This will get straight to the heart of what really motivates us. Are we focused on the best place to be? Or are we focused on the blessed place to be? That's what this whole story is about. It's about Jesus addressing The root issue in verse 28, he then goes on to say, then he said to them, what shall, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? They're trying to talk churchy. And Jesus, again, Jesus bypasses that. He says, forget that garbage. Let's talk to what's really in your heart. And he says this. And then Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you may believe in him who he sent. He's saying to them that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you off, get your focus off believing in what I can do and get you focused on believing in who I am. Because if you believe, if you get your faith focused on what I can do, it will limit what I can do. But if you can tap into who I am, there are things waiting for you on the other side of who I am that you cannot possibly ask, think or imagine. We limit We limit what God wants to do in our life because we're so focused on the best place to be. We miss that he wants us to be in not the best place, but the the blessed place. And he says to them, he says to them, I don't want you focusing on the signs or hungry for the signs as much as you are seeking out the Saviour. He's saying to them, don't He's saying to them what I want you to do is I don't want you seeking the blessing as much as you're seeking the blesser. I don't want you more desperate for the healing than you are for the healer. Because if you get the healer, you will unlock the healing. If you get the blesser, The blessing will come, but you've got to go through. What does Jesus say? He says, I am the door. But we limit, we limit what God is desperately trying to pour out in our life because we're so focused, we are so small minded on just being in the best place we can possibly be. So we can feel the warm fuzzies and we could get what we want and walk away saying God moved. Yes, God moved, but it was a watered down version based on what we could handle in the moment. Cause God will never let you have what you cannot handle. And He wants to do so much more, but we got to shift in the mindset from the best place to the blessed place. There's something, there's something greater. My wife, who's sitting on the front row looking so lovely this morning, give it up for the Mrs. Um, Prescott. And so let me tell you something about my wife. My wife likes to shop. Pray for me. She likes to shop. There is a thing that they call now, society has changed. No longer is shopping walking through malls. Now it is what they call online shopping. I mean, online shopping will bring you um, to a place of desperation for God to move in your life and provide because your wife can make purchases with one click, dear Jesus, of a button. It is so convenient, isn't it, ladies? Come on, make some noise if you're with me. Some of you just bought three pairs of shoes in this sermon. So what will sometimes happen is we will get, It delivered to the house. We'll get delivered to the house. Sometimes we'll pull up at my house and the front doorstep of our house looks like the bottom of a Christmas tree (laughs) with box upon box upon box. Sometimes I feel like we are contractors for UPS. I said to Chris, are we like doing their deliveries now for them? Surely all of this stuff could not be for us. But because I'm familiar with, with the deliveries that come, sometimes I'll be in the house and we have a little, most of us I think nowadays will have a little peephole in our in our door where you can look through the peephole and see what's outside. And sometimes what I'll do is, because I know that, that deliveries can come at any time, sometimes rather than getting a key and unlocking the door or unlocking the deadbolt on the door, sometimes as I'm walking past, I'll just look through the peephole and see if I can see What's there, and dependent on where the delivery man will position the box, I can sometimes see what's there. But how many know that if you are limited, if you want to receive a package? But your view is limited to just a peephole. You cannot even see what is waiting for you on the other side. I wish I had a little bit more time, I would preach this so much. You can't see what's on the other side until you decide I'm gonna shift my mindset from a peephole to an open door because Jesus is the open door. You could be missing something that God wants to pour out in your life because your perspective is so limited because you're so focused on what is the best place to be, but God wants you in the blessed place to be. Is this making sense? Therefore, he said to them, what sign? Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then? Again, they miss it. He says, don't worry about the signs. Focus on the Saviour. And look at their response. What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Talk about a contrast to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This crowd is saying to Jesus, do another sign, Jesus. And then when we see it, we'll believe. It is not how faith works. Faith, true faith, the essence of what we believe is not believing in what He can do for us. It's believing in who He is and what He's done for us. They said, do another sign. Do another magic trick. Touch me again. Move in my life. Change this in my marriage. Heal this in my body. And we limit what God wants to do because we're so fixated upon what we need that we miss who He is. And so Jesus continues And then part of this in verse 21 gives us a little bit of the perspective of where these people are coming from because then they make this comment which shows us a little bit of perhaps why they're in this place in their mind and in their head. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. See, that's why they were so attracted to this miracle of feeding the 5,000 because they know the stories of where Moses through God fed the Israelites out in the desert. And they're so, they they remembered that story. And so they, they were looking back on the past and saying, man, do it again. And hear me, I think it's amazing when we celebrate the miracles of the past. But Isaiah tells us this, that he wants, behold, I am going to do a new, a new thing. And hear me, I think it's amazing. I love to read about past revivalists. I love it. We celebrated or or remembered and and in a sense celebrated rightly so the life of, of Dr. Billy Graham. Probably one of the greatest evangelists. The greatest apostles the world has ever seen since the Apostle Paul preached to more millions of millions of people than anyone else on the planet. And what we did was I noticed this because we saw it. I saw it so much on social media and I did the same. I think it's awesome. We saw so many pictures of amazing big crowds and it was awesome. It's powerful, celebrated. Every crowd, every person is a soul. And I think it's awesome and I think it's amazing. But what has happened in my life in the latter years of my Christian walk or my walk with God, as I've become to get more mature in my walk with God spiritually, I am less enamoured by the signs of God moving and I'm more drawn to the intimacy that person had with their Saviour in order to see those signs outworked. So I look at A crowd now of Billy Graham, I look at, I had the opportunity to to be in a service where Reinhard Bonnke preached when he would preach in fields in Africa where the altar call, the distance from the back of of the field to back of the crowd to the front was so far that they would charter buses to bus people to the front to receive Jesus. Preached in one service, in one location to over one million people. But now as I've matured in my Christian walk, now I look at that and it's not so much the crowd. Yes, the crowd gets me. But what tugs in my heart is the walk is less about the works and more about the walk that inspires me. I read of stories like John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and Amy Semple McPherson. I read these stories of these revivalists and what stirs my heart now is less the works they did as much as it's less about the works they did as much as it's more about the walk that they had with Jesus. That I think what we've done and that keys can come. All we've done is we've looked back on these amazing things that have happened. And I think with a right heart, we say, God, do it again. I pray that. I say, God, do it again in Orange County. Some of the greatest revivals in history happen here. And I say, God, do it again. God, do it again. Yes, do it again. But now more I pray, take me to that place with you where they were. Because that is the blessed place. Take me to that place in my intimacy with you that those works will come from. But the works won't happen without the walk. That's what Jesus was trying to say to them. And you follow the rest of this sermon, it gets worse. He just just straight gets crazy. That's where He drops that line on them. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. He he gets to the point where He's like, you know what? I'm... I'm done with you guys. I've given you opportunity after opportunity to try and lead you and get your focus on the best place to the focus on the blessed place. And He says, you know what? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you don't like it, bounce. If you do, keep walking. So much so that it comes down. Listen, feeding the 5,000, and they say in, in society back then, they would just count men. So you could double, even triple that crowd. Then if you keep following this story right the way through to the end of chapter six. In six, verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve. Hang on a second. Didn't this story start? With thousands, and we're down to 12. That's that's a great if you're a business person, you like numbers. That I mean, that'll keep you up late at night. If you take a dive like that, telling you, if our church took a dive like that, Big J. Duke is going to be on the plane out here knocking on our door very quickly. But what Jesus will do with 12 that say, I don't care about the best place to be. I just want to be in the blessed place. And this is where it is. And I'm going to close. This is where it all came. And this is where this whole thing just hit me. In John 6 verse 68. But Simon Peter Because Jesus said in sixty-seven, He said to the 12, Do you also want to go away? See, even the 12, I love how how turned Jesus is. He looks to the 12 and He fronts up to them. He says, you want to bounce as well? As if to say, have you you had enough yet? Because if I have to, I'll split this 12 in half. I do not care. Give me six says to them, you want to go as well? And look at this response. I love this dude. Peter answered, Lord, where are we going to go? Listen to me. What hit me about that comment was Peter did not say, God, Lord, I I understand. I'm going to stay. Because while no one else got this sermon, I get it. I get what you're talking about. I understand it all. It all makes sense. They didn't get it, but I understand it all. And because I understand it all, I'm with you. You didn't lose me. I'm with you. That's not what Peter said. Peter looks and says, God, I got nothing else. As if to say, what you just said, it actually doesn't make sense to me either. But I gave up my need to be in the best place a long time ago when you called me out of fishing and I left that behind and I said, I'll follow you with everything I've got. God, I think you're... I think that sermon's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life and I still don't get it. But you know what? I got nothing else. You're all I got, Jesus. And You're my Lord. And You're my Saviour. And even if it doesn't make sense to me, I don't need it to make sense because I wanna be. Where's the blessed place to be? It's right here. In John 6, verse 68, where it says, God, i got nothing else. Oh, I may not look blessed. It may not look like it's the best place to be. You may still have needs. You may still need God to pour out blessing and still touch your life and still move in your family. And we've all got those needs. But if you would not get caught up worrying about the best place in the natural and say, I'll surrender the best because I just want to be in the blessed place. Well, You're my Lord. You're my Saviour. I don't get it, God. But that's the beauty of you being Lord. Because the crowd, when they addressed Him, they called Him Rabbi, which means teacher. Which means, what are you gonna show me, teacher? But Lord says, you can do whatever it is you wanna do. And I don't need to get it because I've got you. In Jesus' Name. How many of you want to be in the blessed place? Stand to your feet right across this room. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.